Good morning. I'm so happy to worship with you this weekend, and I know a lot of people are busy and about. Um, I just heard from a few members that our La Mirada Regional Park is just jam-packed already, and some of you may be going there tonight to see the fireworks. Uh, grateful to just worship with you uh, like this this morning. And again, as Carrie said, I just want to say how amazed I am about our congregation. Everybody from different sorts of life, background, youth to children to seniors to our gracious members who donated time and energy. It was a lot of fun. It didn't feel like work. It felt like a lot of fun yesterday. And I just want to say thank you to just the leadership and for your um, just willing to work together. Uh, A few of our community, one of our hopes was to connect with their neighbors and just to let them know there's a church here. And we got to know a lot of people. Uh, We exchanged books. Someone actually gave me a whole audio Bible. Um, And it was just very nice. And so we were acting as a church yesterday, so thank you for your part. We're halfway to reaching the goal of covering the whole VBS. And uh, there are many, there are items back there. So you could take everything but the armoire and the lazy chair because I want the lazy chair. The lazy, that's, the, that's my only request. But you could have everything else. Um, before I pray, uh, just this morning, I hate that it becomes like a norm, but this morning in Baghdad, about 126 as of now were killed uh, from bombings. And this is a crazy reality. Uh, it's happening overseas. It's happening in our own land. And so as a church, we need to start thinking and praying about where do we fit into this? Do we want to just protect ourselves and just be in a huddle? Or how do we process this, God, as a nation, as a Christian country, or as Christians who follow Jesus? How do we pray for our enemies? How do we love those who've been injured? How do we intercede? And so we have to begin with at least knowing it, acknowledging it, and praying for it. So would you join me in a word of prayer uh, before we go into right into the word to just do that at this moment? God, as we celebrate the freedom we have imparted ultimately from you, but through people and just through this nation for centuries we thank you god that we could gather we could worship we could proclaim our speech and faith and religion without persecution and we thank you lord that your grace and your strength always is more than enough and yet we still hear news lord god and our brothers and sisters and just even strangers even just fellow humankind that are struggling and suffering. And so we pray for Baghdad, and we're just going after this one after another, and we're saying, Lord, help us. Be sending and equipping your church to be the salt and light. We pray for your intervention in many ways. And as we have the awesome privilege of celebrating under the year of freedom and in this nation, we also pray because our heart breaks for all people around the world, suffering in different ways from justice to persecution and so as we listen for your word help us to also know ultimately you are the answer and help us to sharpen our hearts and faith so that we may as this prayer that video we just saw be helping others that we're not just receiving but we're receiving so that we may be giving and lord may your glory come upon this land and we know it will one day 
So we pray these things in the name of our hope and our Savior and our Master, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So it's Independence Day, and the last time um, I looked at this document, which I'm going to call the Declaration of Independence, was probably in college. Uh, I was reading through the Declaration of Independence, and I was struck by three things. Just to see, you know, on 1776, July 4th, in Philadelphia, in the Second Congress, they drafted this document, which was a declaration that we are no longer subject to you, England. And so the three things struck me. The Declaration of Independence starts with this. Can you all read that? Let's all read it together. <laughs> Just kidding. That's what it looks like. And here's the, here's the most pop, famous known line in the Declaration of Independence. Next slide. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And there's been countless books trying to understand and interpret what this means, but it's saying that God has given each of you and me an image of God, a right, a setup, setting apart for us to live in a certain way of freedom. And so the early forefathers wrote out the Declaration of Independence and said, we're claiming this, we're not meant to be under tyranny. And so I did not know this, but did you know more than half of the Declaration of Independence is a list of all the detailed tyrannical activities of King George III? And so the Declaration of Independence goes on to say, we are proclaiming freedom because of these things. And it's a laundry list of what this king has done. And at the end, it ends with this line. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And what struck me about that is the birth of our nation came out of yearning for freedom from bondage. And the freedom wasn't just We will do it the way we want. It wasn't that. Freedom didn't come from, now we are a nation, we could do whatever we want. It says this, we are mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That freedom is this accountability towards a new government, a new rule, and a new body. And so today I was struck by that because This is what the Bible says freedom is. Freedom is not we are free to do whatever we want. We are free to do the right thing. Um, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, one of my favorite verses says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul is writing that to say Christ didn't save us so we could be under bondage and rules. He saved us so we could be freed from these rules, saved by his grace, so we could live out his word with joy, not out of fear. So it is for freedom that Christ has saved us. Now, I want to bring this up because today I want to talk about freedom in this way. I wonder if we all understand the meaning of freedom correctly. I learned it hard when I was in third or fourth grade. I have a big brother. And what do big brothers do to little brothers? They always beat him up. And, you know, so one day I was making fun of my big brother and I deserved it. 
And then I said, it's a free country. I can say whatever I want. And then my big brother said to me, it's a free country. I could beat you up all I want. And I said, I didn't know the law. (laughs) So I said, oh, my goodness, that's right. So I stopped, and I ran away. But then I realized later on, as I wised up, freedom, it wasn't what I meant, and then it wasn't what he, my brother, understood it to be. So even this concept of freedom is maybe needs to be defined as a church and as a nation. And I think Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to 23 that we covered today, I think Apostle Paul is trying to convey, here's what freedom looks like. And I, I want to just share three thoughts on freedom. And if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Romans 6 and follow along. Um, and I want to just start with this. Verse 16. What then? He's talking about how God's grace increases whenever you, if you have a lot of sin, God's grace is even bigger. So the more sin you have, the more grace you have. So some people, Paul was thinking, were saying, oh, that's a good thing. So maybe let me go on sinning so God could give me more grace. And so Paul says, verse 16, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Right? What's he saying? So since we're free and God forgives us for all sins, shall we go on living the way we want? Because I could punch my brother. I could rob that lady. I could defraud my company. I could lust. I could steal. I could dishonor people. Because God is gracious. He'll forgive me anyway. Does that sound right to you? Since I'm freed by God, I'm not going to hell. I could do whatever I want because I could just go back to God and say, forgive me. And Apostle Paul says, by no means. That is not freedom. See, the first idea of freedom is this. Freedom is not autonomy. Freedom does not mean autonomy. It doesn't mean you could beat up your little brother because you have a free country. Amen? Can I get some sympathy here? Come on, give me some love. Freedom does not mean I could be immoral and reckless. Freedom doesn't mean that I could do whatever I want that pleases me, and as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I can still do whatever I want. And so in America, we have freedom. We practice this concept. You live in America, raise your hand if you have freedom. Or you better all raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have autonomy. No. You know why? Because here, let me just list. I was listening in my weird psychology. You don't have, you have freedom, but you cannot drive on the left side of Beach Boulevard down the wrong way. Okay? You have freedom, but you can't do that. You have freedom, but you can't take a bat and just start randomly hitting people on the street. You have freedom... I like this because we live in a nice area. You have freedom, but you can't just go into someone's house and go, I'm living here from now on. Thank you. Which room do I have? We have freedom, but you can't beat your spouse in this country. You have freedom, but you can't lie about investment and create a Ponzi scheme. So we practice this idea. Freedom doesn't mean autonomy. And with God, just because he gives us freedom in Jesus Christ and our sins are forgiven, it doesn't mean, therefore, let me just live the way I want because I know I'm going to heaven. I got my ticket. That's all I need. See you later, Jesus. I'll come back to you when I need you. So freedom is not autonomy. 
Freedom is not whatever. This uh, Charles Darwin's right-hand man, he's not even, I'm not sure if he's a Christian, but Thomas Huxley wrote, said this, a man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do as he likes. Let me just say that one more time. A man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do as he likes. Just think about that. And Apostle Paul writes that. When you did life whatever you want you did and you got your way, did it ever go well for you? I want to say 99% of you will say no. And the 1%, you're delusional. (laughs) I know in my life, whenever I did whatever I wanted, irregardless of my parents' wisdom, the word of God, what it means to be a Christian, it felt good, it felt right, and 10 years later, I say, why did I do that? And so there's this wisdom here, Paul's own words, by no means. I like Eugene Peterson's definition in, in verse, version in verse of this. Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. That's from the Message Bible. Isn't that ironic? In your freedom, when you live the way you want, you know what you do? You destroy freedom. Case in point, if I take a bat and just hit people I don't like on the street, what happens to my freedom? You lose it. It happens with our addictions. It happens with our darknesses. And so Jesus Christ purchased our freedom not so we could have autonomy, but we could be forgiven and free to do the right thing. There's a VBS song that we did three years ago from Kingdom Rock. And I, I just found the CD because we were selling rummage sale stuff. <laughs> and I listened to it. And there was a song, and I just want to read these lines to you. Ready? It's called You Gave. Because you gave your life. You lived and died for me. For me. You paid the price. You sacrificed for me. For me. You ready for this? And now the least that I can do is live my life for you. It doesn't end with, now the least that I could do is, I'll give you a dollar once in a while, God. It means, the least that I could do since you gave your life for me when I didn't deserve it is, I am yours. So, freedom does not mean autonomy. Um, Next, freedom is the power and the ability to choose the right thing. That's what freedom is. And Apostle Paul, you're not free to do whatever you want. Now you're freed to finally choose the right thing. Without Christ, we were in bondage to sin. You couldn't break out of it. You couldn't fix it. Uh, the people get religion wrong because they think you got to do this, this, this to go to heaven. And Apostle Paul is saying, you can't fix yourself. Jesus has done it for you. He could only live the life that you were meant to live. And so you can't fix it, but in Christ, you're freed and you're forgiven. He's the only one that can save you. And so what freedom is, is the power now to choose the right thing. So Paul is saying, you're, you're forgiven and in Christ you can choose right. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you used to be stuck on it, you used to be self-centered and selfish, all you thought about was money, greed, your own reputation you used to be like that you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance i love this you have been set free from sin 
and have become slaves to righteousness. So you're set free from sinfulness, and now you could choose to live a righteous life. This is a huge concept. You know, there's a commentary on Galatians 5.1 that says this, What God has done gives us the opportunity and power to do what we must do. What God has done gives us the opportunity and power to do what we must do. I want to clarify something to our church that's huge. When you come to Christ and be saved, there is nothing you could do. We're not going to say try harder. We're not going to say you got to obey these laws to be saved. In fact, the Ten Commandments are only used to show us that we are lawbreakers. It's not meant for you to live perfectly to be received by God. It's impossible. It shows us we need Jesus. After we receive Jesus, though, the work begins. We are called to live a life, and we've got to choose wisely. And what Paul is saying here is this. If you are in Christ today, and you're stuck in bondage of sin, you have the freedom and the power to overcome your sins. That's what Paul is saying. That's what God is promising us. There was a story of a, of a tragedy I heard in seminary. There was a nightclub, there was a fire, and there were people running around in the dark with smoke running for an exit. And at the bottom of the staircase, the police, the firemen came and they found out all these people were dead. And they were stuck at the door. And what they found out later, tragically, was it says the doors must remain locked at all times. Right? What they didn't know, for whatever reason, the door was unlocked. It wasn't locked. No one forgot to turn, turn the door and turn it open. So they got stuck there thinking they were trapped, and they all died. I'm not sure if this happened in the 80s or 70s. And the seminary professor told us, this is what it looks like when people are Christians, they're saved, they're freed from bondage, but they, they think it's up to them without God's power to live their own life. And Paul is saying, you have been given the freedom and the power and the ability by God to choose righteousness. You don't have to be stuck in sin. Amen? And a lot of us, we stay, we're like those dead people. We're stuck in there because we think, I can't do it, so therefore I'm hopeless. Are you a child of God? If you are, you have the living God inside of you, and he can give you the way out. You have the ability to choose righteousness. Freedom is that ability. Lastly, freedom is having the right master. So like I showed you in Declaration of Independence, the nation didn't say, we are therefore free from Georgia III. Everyone, do whatever you want. By the way, what do we call that when you go to a law and the law is do whatever you want. What do we call that? There's a word for that. What was it? Chaos and anarchy. Anarchy is lawlessness. I have three children. If I say for the five minutes there are no rules, do whatever you want, I may not survive. I may see my Savior earlier. Children, anything we want? Can we... I don't know, throw knives at the ceiling to see how many stick. I don't know. Kids come up with the craziest things. Now, I'm a little bit exaggerating with my kids, but there's a little truth in that. If there was no rules, they even make a movie about that called The Purge. Don't watch it. It's kind of bad. But, but 
What, ha- what would happen if a city had no law for one day? How many of you feel that would be exciting to walk down the street at nighttime and to see what's happening down at Imperial? And so lawlessness doesn't mean freedom. So what does it mean? We're not under bondage of tyranny of sin. But did you catch that verse? I love this. Verse 18. Did you catch that? You have been set free from sin. You're not under bondage of sin and have become slaves, slaves to righteousness. Now, when, if you and I are slaves, what does that imply? If we're slaves to something, what are we slaves to? A master. But this master is no longer death and sin. Who is our new master? Say it loud and proud. Jesus Christ. See, freedom is not having no master ab- above you, is it? Paul is saying, and gospel is saying, and the Bible is saying, your freedom is having a master, but it's got to be the right master. And I got newsflash for you, and I'm going to make a bold statement. And if you don't like it, you could write me an email. None of you are better bosses and masters of your life than Jesus Christ. None of us in here are better masters of your own life or your children's life than Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? You can write me that email, but I'm pretty sure none of you and me are better masters of our own lives than Jesus Christ. So number one, who is your master really? Number two, who are you raising your children to follow? You or ultimately Jesus? Number three, are you freed from the bondage of sin? And have you found the right master? So freedom in the United States means submission to laws and authority and government. Whether I like it or not, I submit to it. Sometimes I feel like driving 90 miles per hour down Beach Boulevard. I have not. I drove 88. I'm just kidding. No, that's recorded. Can you delete that, Nathan? Okay. Um, Freedom is not doing what you want. It's submitting to an authority, isn't it? It's submitting to an authority, and the Word of God is saying all of us could be either Slaves to sin or slaves to a better master, a greater master, a master who died for you, a master who created you, a master who is at the core holy and pure and a free and abundant in life and truth. And for me and us in this July 4th weekend, when we talk about freedom, our truest freedom is found only in Jesus Christ. We're never going to be our own masters for that is enslavement. Romans 6.18, we must become slaves or righteousness. So, you know, I'm hitting that stage, and as I wrap up this message, uh, teenagers say this, when I'm 18, I'm out of here. I'm going to do what I please. And uh, I remember when, you know, the Cosby show had it a long time ago in the 80s, and, and you know, the, Dr. Huxtable was talking to his son about living on his own. And then his son, Theo, starts realizing, oh, yeah, I got to get that much money. I got to get that kind of rent. I got to do that. And reality kicks in. And I realize, even as adults, we're struggling with that. We think we could be better bosses. But we have one choice. The only choice we have is we can be slaves to sin or slaves to a God who has your roadway mapped out. I don't know where your life's headed. 
You don't know where your life's headed. I don't care if you're 100 or you're five years old. The same God is guiding your path. He is a good master. And when he died and rose again, he has proven that he is the master worth following. And so today, if you've never given your life to Christ, all it takes is for us is to say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I believe you died and rose again. You're a true and better master than me. If we're Christians in this church, all it takes for us to say is, Lord, starting again, every day when I wake up, you are my master, not me. Take the driver's seat and lead me to where I need to go. For you paid the price. You've satisfied all my sins. May you grow and live in me. That is my prayer for our church, and that is our prayer for our community, that we have this understanding of freedom as God has given it to us. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your freedom. It was free to us, but it was not cheap. And as we come to this table to take the bread and the cup, we're reminded again the price that was paid for our freedom. That spiritually for us to live eternally with you, God, and in your ways was through the death of your son. So help us to renew our faith in you again. Help us to turn our face back to you and bring us back to your presence that we may live a life that is pleasing to you under your lordship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.